I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome. You've got digital folklore. Hello and welcome to the after the episode episode that happens after episode nine of Digital Folklore Season <laughs> 2, Episode 9. We are doing the after episode episode about that episode. So with me is, of course, Mason Amadeus, who was the person who tortured himself putting this episode together. Yeah, I'm about to have an episode. Exactly. And that episode was called Unwrapping Our Presence, which should be a hint to people about what some of the torture was. Yeah. So, I mean, the reason that name doesn't hit now, but would have hit if we had landed it on time is that this episode is supposed to come out on Christmas Day because spoilers, obviously, if you haven't listened to the episode, don't listen to this. Um, we've gotten back to the point in the first episode of this season where the van is sailing off the cliff on Christmas Day, as mentioned by Perry. And we had this neat little plan of when episodes would come out and this one was supposed to land on Christmas Day. So there was a cute little real world tie in. But uh, yeah. And, and presents for those who are listening that haven't read the title. Um, is not T-S. It is presence, as in S-E, presence. I, I don't even know how to explain that. Our persona's presence within the real world. And honestly, I'm, I'm most bummed about the title not landing because this is the pun title I was the proudest of because it's our reality is unwrapping. Our presence in this reality is yeah. unwrapping. And it was going to come out on Christmas. Boo-hoo. We still got to use a homophone, <laughs> right? <laughs>
Yes, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, this one was a real doozy uh, to put together. <laughs> you mentioned, uh, and again, for those who have not yet listened to episode nine, you do want to go back and do that because there's probably going to be major spoilers in what we're talking about because yeah. this is the penultimate episode of the season. That's where a lot of this stuff happens that sets up the final predicament that we are going to find ourselves in as we close out the season. Yeah, this is, the, this is that tip of that chart when you're looking at like a narrative plot, right? Yes. And then, uh, it was a real adventure to get this one to come out. I'm going, I, uh, Todd, I think, actually heard about what was happening. I have some statistics. I think Todd wounded you. Yeah, I think so. I had 17 blue screen of death full computer crashes trying to put this episode together. Also, the Reaper session at one point got corrupted because of a, there was a filter I was using to switch between like what tracks were visible, switching between like the sound effects and the voices. And for some reason, it appended a bunch of like hexadecimal or junk like that into the session file, and then it corrupted it. The thing that was most frustrating was that I couldn't figure out what it was because it wasn't clear. All that was happening was that every time I did something that would cause an undo point, so like if I moved something, every undo point was like 500 megabytes. Yeah. And so it just was quickly like eating up my RAM. You see, I'm I'm so much of a nerd. The only thing that I would think there is, I got to buy more RAM. It's, it's a reason. <laughs> just got to load it up. I just got to load that thing up with more RAM. That's the other compounding factor is I actually have faulty RAM. So every second that my computer is on is a little bit like a lottery because once something <laughs> starts to write to that bad sector, it all just freezes and shuts down. That is unfortunate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun. But I think the episode came out good despite everything else. It was fun. Um, Rich Daigle, who is the voice of Todd, I think outdid himself on that. Oh, my God. Actually, I hope he didn't outdo himself because I want to see where he goes after that if we ever want to wring more out of him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, gosh, he just absolutely delivered this episode. His supervillain speeches... He's really good at switching between all the different tones. Yeah. I wasn't expecting him to do the radio DJ voice he did. And then when we got that bit back, it was just, it was flawless. He took that script and just brought it to life. Well, he has, um, as part of the service that he, that he does, all these different personas that he advertises that he can do. And like old-timey radio voice is one, uh, oh. which is the first thing that I ever hired him for back in the 8th Layer Insights days, is I needed somebody to do... Um, this really like 1940s, 1950s radio style introduction to something. And I found him that way and then um, heard some of his other work and started using him like anytime I could get a chance. That's super cool. I have, I have not seen his page actually. So I didn't know that that was a, uh, that he had like a cast of characters. Yeah. Well, who knows if we'll hear from Todd again, but we'll have to get Rich to voice other characters for sure because he's just really good. Yeah. Uh, it was Mouth Almighty, right? Mouth Almighty. MouthAlmightyVO.com. Exactly. And we usually use Fiverr to get him because his uh, taxes and accounting and everything else get managed through their back end. So I think that's the most convenient way to get in touch with Rich if you like his audio stylings. We talked a little bit about the technical hitches. We should talk a little bit about what we covered in this episode because I think the content from the folklorist we interviewed is very fun. So do you want to yeah. explain how we how we did this? Yeah. So as we were entering the season, um, and I should back up and say we weren't as consistent with it as we could have been. Um, we wanted some interesting ways to just get to know the folklorists a little bit before we take took a deep dive into the thing that we wanted to talk about. And we always knew that we might build these into some kind of cascades or something else later on. So we devised three questions that we wanted to ask everybody that we could. 
the first one was, uh, what emoji do you find yourself using the most or annoys you the most? Uh, the second one was, given the types of research that a lot of these people have to do, um, there's going to be weird stuff in their browser history. Mm-hmm. So what stuff in their browser history stands out as being strange or that they would have a difficult time explaining to a spouse, loved one, law enforcement, um, <laughs> child, anybody else that stumbles across it. And then the last one is a little bit more on topic for these types of people, which would be what is their favorite contemporary legend? And if there's a way to tell that in a compelling way, we wanted to hear it. Turns out a lot of these are just little nuggets of potential story and don't really translate in a lot of ways to the actual storytelling when somebody um, provides that information. We usually just get the nugget about what the the central idea of the story is rather than the compelling campfire narrative. But I think that's interesting because I also think that's how we encounter those kinds of stories in our daily lives a lot of the time. It's like, did you hear about the blah, blah, blah? Yeah, oh, we sort blah, of talk blah. around it. And I like I don't know that I've ever heard anyone tell me. I've never heard a retelling of the Vanishing Hitchhiker story like in story form, but I've heard about it and around it so much. I think that'd be interesting to talk about on a meta level with folklorists. I guess the the thing that we tend to do is we conflate these urban legends, contemporary legends with things like campfire stories because some of them have turned into campfire stories like the hook, I think, ends up getting turned into a longer narrative campfire story. The um, killer in the back seat gets turned into something like that. The person is inside the house type of thing gets turned into that. So I think that in my mind, when I first built that as one of our questions, I kind of had those in my head a little bit more right. than some of the fun things that uh, we tend to talk about with the folklore. Because, of course, the things that are overdone and overblown that have turned into society's campfire stories, they're, they're going to be a basis for conversation, but they may not be the most interesting thing to somebody that spends all their time studying these. Right. And, and like retelling a story is a whole lot of pressure, too, to put on someone at the start level. of an interview. Yeah. yeah, it's a different skill. Totally. Um, also, I just have to say that as you were giving examples, I really wanted to say the hash slinging slasher. And then it took me until just now to realize that was from SpongeBob <laughs> and isn't actually a piece of folklore. But uh, it could, you could turn it into one. It kind of is inside of the universe of SpongeBob. It is the story, this folktale that is told about the hash slinging slasher. I've never seen a complete SpongeBob episode. You haven't seen a complete? Are you serious? Yeah. I've also not seen a complete Phineas and Ferb episode, despite my name being Perry. And everybody's saying, where's Perry? And showing me penguins all the time. Or platypus, sorry. Oh Platypi. my gosh. Platypodes, first of all. Platypodes? And, okay. <laughs> no, I don't think that's true. That's wild. I can only imagine how much Phineas and Ferb stuff you must hear on a daily basis being named Perry. But yeah. I didn't know there was a single living person who has not seen a f- at least one full episode of SpongeBob. That, that would be me. That's a very big fan base and culture with a lot of uh, fan art and folklore around it. There's that whole uh, story of the SpongeBob episode that uh, was a creepypasta online, but there, there's a lot more than that, too. Theories about what it might be a metaphor for and stuff like that. We could do an episode about SpongeBob at some point. We could. And that could be how you finally watch one full episode of SpongeBob. Yeah. If you would, walk us through the critical elements of this episode. So like story-wise, where are we? What's happened? And where do you think that this is going to go? We open up with Perry and Mason trapped by Todd in some sort of 
extra dimensional space or maybe just Todd's office in the pawn shop. It's a little bit hard to tell. Uh, and Todd is giving his supervillain speech. His speech is cut short uh, with a weird knocking outside of the walls. Todd sort of pauses the supernatural frame for a moment to call out and see what's going on when we hear a very old and very problematic meme from outside, the uh, I'm a fire in my laser shoop-de-whoop meme, <laughs> which that joke, I don't know, that one was really for me and I hope <laughs> for other people, but like Perry and Mason and Digby escape clambering into the Volkswagen and speeding off down the road. They uh, road is closed all of a sudden as there's this sort of push and pull between us and Todd trying to shape reality. And ultimately, it ends up with us driving off of the side of the cliff, just like we opened the season as we're going up to Mark's uh, Wizard Tower. Yeah. Which the reason for going up to Mark's Wizard Tower, I thought was kind of funny in that like, oh, the world works like the secret. So Mark will be an actual wizard. Right. Yeah. If we, if we just kind of believe hard enough as we're getting there. Mark will yeah. become the wizard that we need him to be. There's a part of me that wishes we had gone through with that and like gone up to have Mark cast a spell or whatever. <laughs> but who, where we're going, yeah, who knows? Well, I'm, we still don't know though, right? Because if we were believing hard enough that Mark is that kind of person, then could we also believe him into being where we need him to be at the time that we need him to believe to be there? That's a very good point. How much power do we really have? I don't know. I've not read that book anyway, so I don't I don't know. I've seen some TikToks. Yeah. I was I was trying to do a callback to our first ever episode where we talked right. about manifestation. Yeah. Uh and I think you did. I think you ad-libbed a line in there about like manifestation. Remember the first episode? Right. Was that in yeah. there? Yeah. I think that that was in there. I we also mentioned I think in one of the ad-libs the Tulpa. So I don't think yeah. that ended up in there, but I do believe man manifestation and episode 1 mentioned got put there. I nipped a lot of little things out of out of it here and there for pacing. We had to keep pacing, yeah. Yeah, there's there's some really good lines, unfortunately, that we had to lose in inside of Todd's monologue and and stuff like that. This one was a weird one to sound design because there's so many, there's so much going on, there's so much movement, and it's all weird, right? Like, yeah. there's a moment that I hope nobody noticed until I say it now, which is when right after Digby rescues us, us running to the van doesn't really make sense. How did we like? He was having da da December. We didn't pass through any people. There was no crowds. But if we had dragged that scene out and had like crowds and people and us trying to maneuver through them, right? It would have just been weird and muddy in an audio yeah. medium. Well, see, I kind of assumed that it was several hours later and everybody was gone. Mm. Or like reality's breaking, right? Yeah. So it could just be that nobody's there. Yeah, it could be anything. Yeah. In my mind, being shaped by movies, we were kind of unconscious for a little bit. And then we we come to as Todd is monologuing, but it's maybe three, four in the morning. Oh, I love that. I, I had I had thought of it as um, being right after the episode that we last heard, but that leaves that weird plot hole. And, and like I'm always hesitant to be like, what did I think was happening? And when people are like talking in the in the Discord about their theories about the story, I right. really have to. I want I I want so bad like to engage and chat with that, but I don't want to sway anyone's sort of ideas yeah. about it because it's way more fun to me if other people read into different things. I'd almost rather not say what I had in mind. But even, I mean, it could be that um, when we break out and we're running, maybe we're not even in the same reality that we are in anymore. Maybe it's a parallel universe where we're, there's still Todd shop and we're trying to get to the Volkswagen, but 
da-da, December didn't happen, all this other stuff didn't happen, or something otherly is going on. So that is kind of what my headcanon was, that the shoop-de-whoop laser broke a big chunk of Todd's reality, and so we were just basically running out of a blown-up building to the car. uh, There's so many moving parts. I feel like it was an odd one, but I think it does a good enough job of tricking you into missing how odd it is and just feeling the flow, I hope. That's the goal. Exactly. Yeah, I, I thought it flowed really, really well and was fun to listen to from a sound design perspective. And it just, a lot of it felt like some good payoffs where you get to hear Todd be who Todd really is. You also, I mean, he's kind of sullen. It's kind of, he almost wanted to make friends, right? Right, but it's it's sort of like, he's very abusive, right? Because he's like, why did I do this? Because I like you. Like, we didn't consent yeah. to being pulled into a pocket universe and having our entire lives Does uprooted. anybody really? No, I mean, you can't. That's, an e- that's a thing an evil big bad guy would do. But then you feel bad for Todd, right? Because he's like, I tried so hard to do all these things for you. And I actually think that makes him kind of more scary as a villain. Well, for anybody that's kind of older generation, it reminds me of like the movie Fatal Attraction, where there's this person who, from, from all appearances, really loves this guy. He was her mistress and he's married, but uh, she she's like super, super obsessed with him uh, to the point where she just starts doing really, really horrible things to get his attention. Oh. And it reminds me of that. It's this like, I love you so much. I like, you know, like you so much. I'm going to go to these right huge extremes to prove it. Look how much I've sacrificed. I'm going to boil your child's rabbit type of thing. <laughs> right. Look at all the things I've done for you that you didn't ask for me to do and actually don't want. Well, and there's this line in that just where, where she says, I will not be ignored. Dang, know? I wish I had seen that because that would have been a great little reference to throw in having Todd right. say, I will not be ignored. Probably when he's on the radio. You think you can just drive away from us? Oh, yeah. I want to know what people think Todd is. That I don't want to mm. say what I think Todd is, but I want to know what people think Todd is. It's got to be something eldritch. I almost said, I've been watching a lot of YouTube lately. I almost said, comment down below, like, and subscribe. Tell me what you think Todd is. Comment on Spotify Q&A. Yes, comment on Spotify or Q&A. Or in Discord. I think we have some, uh, some listener shout outs, some things to uh, cover. Yeah. We have uh, one other question comment that came in through Spotify, and this was on the If Memory Serves episode, the Mandela Effect, Trust versus Truth and AI. And this is Corvid's R Us says, is there a reason why older generations like the boomers, like the boomers, <laughs> refuse to trust actual people, but take Facebook at face value? Oh, but take Facebook at face value. Nice wordplay uh, there, like Corvid. The play on words there. Yeah. Have you done an episode on this kind of thing? Not specifically, right? Yeah. But we have mentioned it a few times, which, so it continues to come up. Yeah, it's come up tangentially, like different generations' relationships with the internet, like how the <laughs> the boomers, which I'm just going to, I feel like this. The boomers. This question has given me carte blanche to say that for this segment. Uh, the boomers were the ones telling us to not trust anyone online, that everyone's fake and lying. Uh, and now the boomers are the ones falling for the, the Facebook scams and stuff. It, it's interesting. It's kind of like how... Uh, when we talked to, was it Dr. Christina Downs who told us that Gen Z kids have a very different relationship with the internet where they're not as tech savvy on the whole as we would have expected? Yeah, I think we've heard that echoed through a few people that have done this kind of research. Yeah, that there's not as much tech savviness and that th- this feeling that the internet is just an extension of, of real life. Um, yeah. I think it'd be interesting to explore older people's relationships with technology and, and the internet because... 
it's not a niche thing anymore. And so everyone has had to adapt. Yeah, I mean, though, you do still have some curmudgeons, right? Because I, and Joel Best exemplified a little bit of that. Yeah. In this episode, which is in anything that we asked is like, do you use emojis? Ah, I've got no use for those. <laughs> right. I'm not on social media because I have a life. <laughs> yeah. And he, he said several things like that, um, which just shows that you can be a super, super intelligent person contributing greatly to society, kind of at the top of your game with the things that you know and what you're doing, and still have this one thing that's out there that the majority of people in the world are doing and know about really well that you're just not participating in. And I, I don't know what that means, but it's really interesting to see how that shapes frames and worldviews and everything else. And I, I kind of admire that too. Not in like a way where I'm like, oh yeah, all tech is bad. And I don't think Joel thinks that either, but just uh, right. as someone who is chronically online and like working online and hobbies in my art is online and you are online all the time too. It's refreshing when you meet someone who is not chronically online yeah. and you're like, there is a whole world. And like, th even if the internet is terrible, I can go outside and it's nice. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Joel was a lot of fun. I hope it comes across. He, he was, he's like, he's not a crank. He's like, right. he's not like a grump. He's like a really upbeat and fun dude. Yeah. I mean, you get, you get the idea that he just views life with this really playful attitude. Yeah. But it was funny because as I was listening to his answers to those icebreakers, all of them, he was like, nope, nothing. I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> Except the uh, the the browser history one. Oh yeah, crawling around looking for yeah. uh, weird points of view and things online. Everybody's browser history is fascinating. Yeah, when he asks somebody like, "What is the hardest thing to explain?" or "What would you be slightly embarrassed about?" Oh my gosh, the, the responses to that are fantastic. Hey Perry, I have an idea. Yeah, what emoji do you find yourself using too often, and which emoji do you hate? We never answered these questions. We never. I use well, and it's. I feel bad because it's the thing that they said boomers tend to use, which is the sideways smiley face or the the sideways laughing, crying emoji. Yep, that's mine too, though. And I'm yeah. I'm a millennial Gen Z cusper. So, so I use that way too much. It's kind of a default in a lot of ways. And then the one that, what is the one that annoys me? The one that annoys me, I guess, was it Christina Downs that mentioned this too? It's like, or maybe it was Cassandra, that just the, the, the ambiguous thumbs up. Yeah, that's the one. I hate that. I hate that one too. Okay, so we have the same answers on this then because like all of the weird and like particularly heinous emojis, I love like the weird eye yeah. and the weird mouth, but it's the thumbs up. It's the ambiguous thumbs up. It's like, are you mad at me? Right. Is everything is everything okay? Is this a good thing? And then, yeah, I also use the sideways cry laugh way too much. So I will amend this too. So in addition to just the ambiguous thumbs up, the one that disturbs me the most when I see it is like the little panting smiley face. The one with the tongue out. <laughs> yeah. That's just, it makes me feel dirty. It is, yeah. Uh, I don't like it. It is definitely, what it's definitely a spicy emoji, or at uh, least contextually yeah. in society. Yeah, I don't like it. Oh God, I think it's so funny to use that one wrong though, which is why I have a hard time like- I don't like, know that there's a right way to use it. Uh, well. That, that's, the, that's the thing. That's why it needs to die. That's why I like, see, I love all of those. It's the one- the only one I think I can take any issue with is the thumbs up. And I think it's just because it's really hard to decipher the meaning of. Yeah. I like that horrible red-faced panting emoji. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of the emojis that that I, I like and I can see value in the world for. But the, the little little panting smiley face, no. I just, uh, <laughs> it's, I no, I can't do it. 
Hey, listeners, if you're like me and enjoy escaping to a real movie theater, then Regal Unlimited just makes sense. It's the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass that pays for itself in just two visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime with no blackout dates or restrictions. And your membership lets you get into premium format shows like IMAX and 4DX at a reduced cost. Plus, you'll save 10% on all non-alcoholic concessions. Regal Unlimited. It's the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass that pays for itself in just two visits. So, if you're planning on seeing a couple movies this month, join Regal Unlimited. Now is the best time as summer's coming up. Sign up now in the Regal app or on the website at regmovies.com unlimited. And be sure to use the code FOLKLORE24 to get 10% off a three-month subscription. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Hey ya, Mason here. And I don't think I've mentioned it on the show before, but I have two cats, two big old boys named Chester and Cinders, and I love them both very much. But I didn't grow up with cats, and I've never suffered from general allergies like pollen, so it took me an embarrassingly long time to realize that I was allergic to them. No joke, when I started working from home, I would say things like, wow, I feel like I'm losing my voice every day, or isn't it weird, I can't breathe through my nose for some reason. Ultimately, it was my partner who said, that really sounds like allergies. And long story short, now I take a Claritin every day. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claret and clear. Use as directed. What about favorite contemporary legend for you? Oh, geez. I would have to think about that. I don't know why I've not thought about our own questions. I know. I haven't either. And it, ju- it just occurred to me that this would be a good spot for us to answer them. I'm having a hard time with the favorite contemporary legend as well. I mean, for, for me, and maybe it's because it's in my head because it was in the, um, it was a diagram within the program for the ISCOR meeting, uh, International Society for Contemporary Legend Research meeting a couple of years ago. They had a picture of the the cat in the microwave or maybe it was a dog in the microwave. That what? one, I think, is one of my favorite ones. Cat in the microwave, a dog in the microwave? Yeah, I, don't, I forget which animal it was, but the little animal in the microwave. I don't know what that is. It's, it's the one where somebody's dog or cat gets you know wet or needs to get cleaned oh, off no. and somebody pops it in the microwave. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> it explodes. Oh, I hate that. I hate that a lot. <laughs> and I think that's why I love it so much is is when you really think about it. Oh. It's kind of the well, it's it's like the um, you know, the the babysitter one where they accidentally put the turkey in the baby's crib and the baby in the, in the oven. oven. Yeah. Yeah. The microwave one though is just that I want to throw up and cry. <laughs> that, that's uh, <laughs> oh, Fluffy got wet. We're gonna have to dry oh, Fluffy off. No. In the pop. Wasn't there, there was a, there was like a myth that went around recently about microwaving something improperly. It was like your phone or something. There was, it was, a, people were saying it was a way to fix a problem with a device. Oh, it's kind of like, like the, uh, w- which really does work. If you, if your phone gets all wet, put it in rice, but it was probably something like that. <laughs> if, 
something happens, do this. You put this big chunk of metal in your microwave. Yeah, it was it was something like that. Also, the way I thought you were about to say, well, it works if your phone's wet, put the phone in the microwave. Um, <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, please don't. I don't think I have a favorite contemporary legend. I'll come, come back to me on the contemporary legend bit. Okay. What thing in your browser history would be hardest to explain? Hmm. I mean, over the past few weeks, all it's all been AI and like Apple Vision Pro and creating digital twins and stuff like that. Mm. So I don't think any, any of that is embarrassing. So um, I bought PregnantSonic.com. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that... Okay, you win. So I have that. Right now it points to the Patreon of one of my friend's podcasts, uh, Hannah Wright. Uh, also, I believe a uh, fan of the show, Hannah Wright, uh, who does nice. the show In Between, which I'm on this most recent season of as Larkin. It's a really fun show. She does not want PregnantSonic.com to point to the Patreon for that show, but it does. But I mean, how how often do people just randomly go to PregnantSonic.com? I should check the web stats because I'm not sure. And I don't know what to do with it in the long run. Yeah, I mean, you could you could SEO the heck out of that and do some AdWords. Yeah, I'm I'm open to suggestions of what to do with PregnantSonic in the long run. Ooh. But I just, I had to buy that we URL. We should get a, a blip billboards ad for it. <laughs> yes, we should. Um Man, what would be embarrassing? So the the thing with me is anytime I think I'm going to an embarrassing URL or about to do some kind of search that I would rather not be in my search history, I immediately go to an incognito window. Oh, okay. So it's not it's not there. So you But I guess you'd say if somebody subpoenaed my my history from my ISP and it wasn't being properly protected by private relay or VPN, what might they find? Yeah. I mean, it would probably be some weird stuff with like, like Loeb uh, and looking at urban legend and AI horror stuff and just some of the results of that that had like dismembered children. In it. <laughs> oh, right. Right. Because there's all that horrible AI. Yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, that's not a fun thing to think about. No. I mean, the question itself doesn't necessarily lend itself. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's like pr programmers, writers, and folklorists have the weirdest search history, right? Pro right. Programmer search history is like how to kill child uh, <laughs> because of child processes. Oh yeah, child processes. Yeah. So I think that I think that's us answering those questions. So maybe on the Patreon side, since we talked about how great Rich was in this, and I think that he had some fun bits. I'm wondering if there's value in just posting Rich's raw audio from this. To Patreon. You know, he did do it in two complete consecutive single takes with like yeah. only a couple of alts here and there. It might be. It's very fun to listen through his whole performance. Especially that last bit where he's just like devolving. Yeah. And halfway from there and halfway from there. He, so he goes through it in its entirety twice. I used a lot of each, splicing them together. Yeah. And it really wasn't hard to do. It was it, The hardest thing about it was trying to choose which one to use because they were both really good takes. The second one was way darker than the first. Yeah. And it was fun because I, I uh, in that very first scene, there's a fair split between the first take and the second take because I wanted it to keep that dynamism of like, uh, he's very big and excited. Like yo-yo type of thing. Yeah. yeah. And then he's getting down real close. Like, um, And then people would also get to hear Rich's voice doing some of that stuff without as much processing on it. So, yeah. Because you, I mean, you straight had him sounding like an interdimensional demon, which was amazing. I, I'm glad you liked it. Um, the effect on his voice is actually really simple, and it's one I really love. Uh, it's like a technique that I don't remember how I started doing it. I think I was just messing around and played with it. But basically, you have Rich's audio, and then that is getting split and going into two separate pitch shifters. 
uh, one only in the left ear, one only in the right ear, and they're both pitched a little bit differently. And I pulled the foreman up on both and pitched, I think I pitched them both down by different amounts, but it makes it feel like there's this three voice thing going on, but they're in unison. Right. And then the, having them be panned hard left and hard right makes them interact in an interesting way in the, in the center. Yeah. But oh, yeah, I loved it. It was it was fun. I, and I don't know how often he gets to hear the final result of all these things. I imagine not that much because he's just always having to like move on to the next thing. I'm thinking we um, ought to send him part of this one because as I was editing it, I was like, Rich sounds so good. I hope he knows how good he did. I'm sure he does. I think uh, I, I, I've seen nothing but positive reviews from anybody that's used him for these things. But I want to know if he's heard how cool he sounds, yeah. you know? <laughs> I hope he knows. Yeah, me too. I hope his I hope his kids and his family knows if he has kids and family. <laughs> uh, it's like, why is dad scary like a demon? Right, right. All right. So as we get ready to close out then, what do you want us to be thinking about preparing our souls for in the next episode? Well, I think... This is a hard one to answer because we need to figure out what we're doing for the next episode. <laughs> True. We know we know where we're at. We had had something planned that we're still going to go through on, so I don't want to spoil anything about it. Uh, we're just doing it later. Right, right. And then we had a different thing planned for this. And then I think timing has just gotten weird. So now there's a little bit of figuring out to happen for the next one. But I think I, the one thing I know what to look forward to is... Uh, us mentioning something and probably talking a bit about something that we've been asked to talk about many, many, many times. And also the story is going to uh, take place in a very, in a very cool way. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think location is going to be interesting. Topic will be interesting. Collaboration will be interesting. Yeah. Um, there's lots of things that are coming together and unfortunately none of it has fully solidified yet. So we're again in a race against the clock to get something done. Yeah. But that's the last episode of the season. So we're going to put a lot of, of uh, intentionality into it uh, and see how soon we can get that to everybody. Until then, we do have tons of great unplugged episodes. Oh, yeah. That we're lining up for folks and maybe a couple of fun things in between if we get a chance to do those as well. There might be some changes in the format going forward in season three, um, because partly because as you've seen, the production process has gotten pretty wild. Uh, and the way we've been doing it and bouncing things uh, around has been tricky. And so Perry and I have been brainstorming on different ways to approach covering folklore with the same pizzazz and style and uniqueness that we have, but in a way that's different. Uh, and I don't want to talk too much about the kinds of shifts we're thinking about, because we're still really talking about a lot behind the scenes, but one of them is maybe right. more shorter form, deep dives, kind of like we've talked about the idea of the folklore curious, um, more, things that are produced more about as, as segments about a specific topic rather than the overarching narrative. And then the narrative is bleeding into it. Yeah, so there's a lot to be figured out. What we're going to do is after we finish episode 10 of this season, um, we'll give some updates, some thoughts, and kind of some hints and previews into where what we're thinking about and I guess what we'll actually be doing uh, in that mid-season interval. So um, I guess with that, everybody stay tuned for episode 10. There's going to be some fun unplugged stuff uh, there as well, and we will continue to go through it. I think uh, Mason has some 
hexadecimal stuff and RAM stuff to figure out on his machine before he can act, actually like really dive into editing again in a productive way. Yeah, uh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta sort that out. I mean, fortunately, it should be quick. Um, I hope they'll cross chip the RAM. Yeah, and we gotta, yeah, we still gotta figure out all the hex weirdness that happened in your reprocessing. Yeah, I, I think the issue was that the the SWS extension track filter was just printing the hex codes for the tracks into the session each time I was filtering them. I mean, those kind of errors tend to bleed throughout computer systems too. So we want to make sure that you're not accidentally causing issues. Uh, we got to go. Uh, we have work to do and we sure, I'm sure that everybody else has the next podcast in their queue to listen to after this. Yeah. So whatever that podcast is that's next, queue that up now and enjoy it. And we will see you or let you listen to us or connect with you over Discord or see you on Patreon or somewhere else next time. I was just looking at what you have coming up next. That's that's cool. I like that. Have fun. That's a good show. Yeah, it is. Stick with that or skip it. I mean, it may be out of date by now. I don't know. <laughs> Later. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.